Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. John 18 this morning. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word, speak to us now. Encourage us. Let us see how you see us. In Jesus' name, amen. John 18 starts off, and it's really interesting because he ties together the last chapter. Now, we know when the Bible was written, it wasn't broken into verses and chapters. It was just a one long story. Well, we're going to go back as we look at this. And when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over to the book Kidron, where there was a garden in which he and his disciples entered. After he'd said these things, what things? Let's go back to verse 26. I do not pray for these alone because Jesus had previously prayed for his direct disciples, but now Jesus is praying for us. Now, again, as I shared last week, I always like to find myself in the Bible. I like to find myself in the scriptures because then it becomes relevant. It becomes real. And I think that's really important because we need to find ourselves and see ourselves the way God sees us. You know, there's a lot of people and a lot of Christians that have a very low self-worth. And I'm not getting into psychobabble here. I'm just simply saying the devil comes along and beats you up and says, you're ugly, you're not a good Christian, you did this wrong, you did that wrong. And if you don't know who you are in God, you'll begin to go, yeah, I am, I'm a scumbagger, man. And, And that's really bad. Because what happens is we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. Now, remember, when Jesus said this, and notice again what he says, verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, and are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Wow! So, in other words, by our unity as brethren, we consolidate or we bring together the abilities that God gives us for the common purpose of the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that great? You know, if you watch movies at all, and sometimes, I don't know why I do this, I'm still wondering, you'll, you'll turn on television and there'll be something on, there'll be a movie, and you start watching it. And the more you watch it, And the more they're fumbling and bumbling around trying to find their purpose for life, I I find myself screaming at the TV, you need Jesus? This is what's wrong. You don't know why your life looks like a train wreck? It's because it is a train wreck because there's no one driving the train. You see, that's what makes the difference in a person that's a believer versus a non-believer. If you're a Christian here this morning, I want you to know something really wonderful. First of all, you got a heaven, God in heaven that loves you. You got a, heaven, a God in heaven that doesn't want you and me to be alone. Being alone is sad, isn't it? Don't you feel 
Don't you feel like, like no one cares when you're all alone? God has placed us in a family. Now, not all groups of people are church. Not all churches are groups of people. The Bible tells us there has to be the Word of God is that which brings us together. That's His Spirit. Now remember, friends, the Spirit of God wrote these words in this book. It takes the Spirit of God to take these words and make them go into our heart. Otherwise, the Bible looks like a phone book. I've had people come to me and say, Mike, I try to read the Bible. It looks like a phone book. What's wrong? Elementary. You need the Holy Spirit to make the Word come alive so it will go into your heart. When it goes into your heart, what happens? We're changed. Now, the Bible tells us we become born again. We go through amazing transformation. The Bible says we pass from death unto life. That's great. That's good news. Death to life. But then God, in that life, breathes more life into us through His Word. Now, again, one of the things that we have to be, as Paul tells us, be you transformed. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why does our minds need to be renewed? Because we're continually bombarded by a world that hates God, trying to reprogram us, that says either one of a couple things. You're nobody unless you buy our product. Number two, that you're nobody. You're just an evolved slug. You know, one day billions of years ago, lightning hit a swamp. And all of a sudden, some squiggly things started moving around. And then these squiggly things grew fins. And then they grew legs. And they crawled out on dry ground. And they stood upright. And then they began to shave off. They began to grow their hair. They stood up, shaved off all their hair, and became... TV anchorman. No, I don't know what they became. I'm still trying to figure out what they're trying to say to me here. The idea, though, is that the world puts you down. They put humanity down. They say, whatever feels good, do it, because this is all there is. Uh, He with the most toys when he dies wins. The bottom line is nothing. You see, you were put, I would put, on this earth for a reason. Again, I tell people, have you spent five minutes this week asking God what that is? Why am I here? Why, again, when we're all saved in that day that you heard God's voice. I've had people, I just want to hear God's voice. If you're born again, here today, you heard his voice. Really? Yeah. That little voice inside of you that said, this is for you. This is for you. Accept Jesus. That was God. Now, a lot of times we think it's like a, an old Cecil B. DeMille movie, like Moses, the Ten Commandments, you know. Oh, my son, do this, 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 this. Complete with reverb. But what God does, it's a still small voice in our heart. He communicates to us what he wants. And God has put us in a family that we would be one, that we would be one. Now, not just one, but one, as it says here, in him. He is the center point. He's the one. And I I love what Luke says. In him, we live, move, exist, and have our being. Like a fish in water. 
that's how we, we live in God. And as we live in God, we have brothers and sisters in the family of God that encourage us. Because again, our lights shine. Friends, if you're born again here today, whether you know it or not, your light shines. Your relationship with God radiates from you. It may be in your language. It may be in the things you say. It may be in the places you go. But you are a testimony of the power of God. So Jesus, after he said these things to his disciples, after he prayed for all of us, he goes across the brook Kidron. Now, at this particular time at the Sheep Gate, They were slaughtering animals because this was the time of Passover. And for those that don't know what Passover is, if you go back to the Old Testament and the 10 plagues that came upon Egypt, when God sent Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh kept going, "Uh uh-uh, ain't buying it. I ain't doing that. And God says, okay, then you're going to have lice and you're going to have your rivers turn to blood and you're going to have frogs. All these different plagues kept coming upon the, 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 the land of Egypt and Pharaoh because of the hardness of heart. And finally, on the last one, God sent the death angel. Now, it's really weird. There's a lot of different angels. I don't think probably the Christian bookstores would send, sell many pictures with the death angel uh, on the wall, okay? Mommy, what's that? That's a death angel. Ah! You know, I mean, kind of thing. You know, we always picture angels as, as, you know, very, and I think they are. The Bible says there's all kinds of angels. There's seraphim and cherubim, and there's messenger angels, and there's warrior angels. And the Bible says that God sent the death angel through the land of Egypt, and everyone who did not have the blood on both sides of the door and on top, same places where Jesus bled profusely from, The death angel would not go into that house when he saw the blood, but went into the house of Egypt because they didn't believe in the God of the Bible. And so the firstborn of all Egypt died, the Bible says. And so with that, Pharaoh was so stricken that he literally expelled the children of Israel out of Egypt. And so understanding, and and we'll go into the rest of that story some other time, but, but what was amazing there is that this Passover continued to be celebrated throughout the generations of the death angel passing over the children of Israel, but destroying those who didn't believe. That's the name Passover. This is Passover, 32 AD. And the Bible tells us that Jesus then crosses over the book Kidron and goes into what we know as the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, in this Garden of Gethsemane is where Jesus was going to pray. Jesus knew that his time to be our sacrifice had come. Nobody captured Jesus by accident. Nobody said, "Uh oh, you better get out of there. You better run because here they come. No, Jesus deliberately knew they were coming and deliberately went where they were. Now, again, we remember Judas Iscariot betraying the whereabouts of Jesus where he would be later on that evening for 30 pieces of silver. He had, the, the Sanhedrin had their informants, Judas Iscariot was one, and so for 30 pieces of silver, Judas agreed to sell basically the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, Jesus' day planner. 
where he would be at a particular time. Jesus was fairly disciplined in his prayer life. As we find, as, as we say he would always go, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And so we find here, as he's there, as he spoke in these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron. And by the way, again, on this brook Kidron, they were slaughtering some quarter of a million lambs for the blood sacrifice for that commemorative Passover. And the Bible tells us that they would be led in by the sheep gate. And the sheep gate is right outside where they would slaughter the animals. And these animals' blood would run down, run into the brook Kidron. And this, this, as Jesus passed over this, because it was all right before Jesus was offered up, this, this little brook ran red with the blood of the lamb. And so as we see here, it says that Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. I I like that. There's nothing wrong with having um, discipline in your life. Well, I got to be funky and free. I got to be free and funky. No, it's okay to have discipline in your life. You know, well, I got to be free. Well, the thing is, yeah, you can be free and that'll lead you into a life of complete irresponsibility. So it's not a bad thing to have some discipline in our lives. I hate discipline as much as anybody. I'm very glad uh, when I was little, my parents disciplined me. I never told everybody about this story. My parents, we were coming up to see my grandma in Twin Falls, Idaho. And on our way back, We usually would go through Las Vegas in that way, but this time they decided to go to Reno and then go down through Central California. And I remember we were in Reno, Nevada, checking into a motel. And there was a piano there, and I was probably about four years old. And I decided that I was the new, I was the new Floyd Kramer. I was the new Liberace. I was the new guy. I went over and started banging on the piano. My parents said, don't do that. And I remember they came over and grabbed me And they gave me a whooping I still remember to this day. Now, there's not many things I remember when you're five. I remember that. You know, it's funny what makes us remember things. Have you ever been on vacation? You don't remember one thing about the vacation except the hole in the tent that rained on your head in the sleeping bag. Isn't that weird? I don't know why we... Anyway, I got this spanking. Because my parents wouldn't let me do whatever I wanted to do. I find that if I have a father in heaven who really loves me, he's not going to let me do whatever I want to do either. So discipline in our lives, commitment to uh, uh, God's commitment to us is so important because if it's wrong today, it's wrong tomorrow. We talked about that last week where Jesus said, your word is truth speaking to his father in heaven in the first part of John 18 or John 17 uh, as he's praying to his father in heaven. Well, what's important about that, if you think about it, today truth is gone. We talked about this last week about relativism. Relativism is, well, it's true if it's true to you, uh, but it may not be true to me. That's not what truth is. Truth is established fact, friends. And God's established fact for us is that he loves us. Now notice what it says. Judas betrayed him. By the way, if anybody here's ever been betrayed, you know how hard it hurts. Because they know your weak spots, they know all the things about you, and those that you sometimes hold the closest to you will betray you. Remember this, Jesus will never betray you. 
The Bible says you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Verse 3, then Judas, having received a group of men or a detachment of troops, but if you go back to the old King James, it just says a group of men. Um, And the officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. They were there to arrest Jesus. So Jesus crosses over the brook, Kidron, flowing red with the blood of lambs, goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray for uh, strength for what he was about to face. We remember the Bible says the disciples fell asleep while, and Jesus came back and said, guys, can't you stay awake for just a little bit? You don't seem to get what's going to happen here in a little bit. Stay praying. And then immediately Jesus goes back and prays and the disciples fall asleep again. It was about that time on Jerusalem Top 40 Radio, there was a song that came out called In the garden, the peaceful garden, the disciples sleep tonight. I, I don't know, but anyway, something like that. But this was what was going on. And Jesus knew that they were coming on the way. They would probably have been very well seen because they were carrying torches as it was night. And so the disciples didn't see it because they were asleep. Well, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, who are you seeking? So here's this band of soldiers and men and, and, and the part of the Sanhedrin that wanted to put Jesus to death. And Jesus said, who are you seeking? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am. Now, if you'll notice in your Bible, the word he, I am he, the word he is italicized. Why is that? Because the translators thought that they would add that in there to make it more readable. However, it takes away, which maybe they weren't trying to do this, but it takes away from the word ego amini, which means I am. Now notice this again. Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. One of the other Gospels records, records that he betrayed him with a kiss. Then when he said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. I'm amazed by this. Now, why is that? Remember, Moses is out on the backside of the wilderness tending sheep. He sees a bush burning. This is not uncommon, friends. I've seen this myself. I was traveling through Nevada one time on the way down to Southern California, and lightning was lightning, and lightning had hit a sagebrush up uh, just on the mountain range just past Ely, Nevada. And I saw this bush burning, and I thought, I immediately thought of this in the Bible. And and it was because it was raining and lightning hit the tree. And, and if you ever burn sagebrush, you know how good and hot it'll burn? Well, it was burning. Moses, I think, probably had seen that before, too. But as he kept staring at this bush, it just kept burning and burning and burning. And he said, that's not normal. By the way, if you want to find God in your life, little caveat here, if you find something happening in your life that keeps reoccurring and you don't have an explanation for it, look for God in that. Because sometimes that's how God gets our attention. It wasn't that God initially was speaking out of the burning bush. Hey, Mo, 
come over here. No, it was just something that didn't make sense, that didn't follow the protocol of daily life. He saw a burning bush, should have burned itself out, didn't burn itself out, and Moses goes, something's weird here. So he goes over there, and all of a sudden, out of the burning bush, God speaks to him. He says, Moses, take off your sandals. Where you're standing is holy ground. I want you direct connected. No insulating shoes. No slippers. I want you directly there. And so he takes off his shoes and God begins to reveal to him what he's going to do in his life. Now remember, Moses fled Egypt because he killed an Egyptian slave. He thought he would be the savior of his people. And instead, the Jewish people betrayed him saying, what are you going to do? kill us like you killed the Roman guard. Moses knew he was found out. He gets on his chariot and he gets out of town. Forty years, Moses thought he was a somebody. Cruising around the chariot, raised by Pharaoh's daughter. Forty years in the wilderness, being a nobody. He went from literally, almost literally, like the prime minister of Egypt, to a nobody in a day. And then he has an encounter with God, sees a burning bush. It doesn't burn out. He goes up. What's going on here? God says, take your shoes off. We got some talking to do. God begins to share with him how he was going to go to talk to Pharaoh to set the people free. You know, it's interesting. 40 years, Moses was a somebody. For 40 years after that, he was a nobody. And then after the burning bush experience for the next 40 years, God showed Moses what God does with nobodies and literally defeated one of the most powerful nations in the world with God's help. I think it's important. And so Judas Iscariot, betraying Jesus, his whereabouts, and shows up. And Jesus says, who are you looking for, gang? Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus goes, I am that ego amini, that same bush. When God, Moses, by the way, goes, and God, who shall I see sent me to Pharaoh? God spoke to him and said, tell him the I am sent you. Okay. And that's what he did. We remember Jesus in John eight fifty eight. They were chiding Jesus about him claiming to be God. And they said to him, you're yet 50 years old and you say you've seen, you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said, before Abraham was, and here it was, I am. Ego meaning. The same word that God spoke to Moses saying he was the I am is the same word that Jesus said to those who believed that Jesus wasn't God. He said he was the I am. And now we find here Jesus is claiming to be the I am again. That's why he that was added in here is not really because it takes away from the I am of who he says he was. Now notice this. And he said, whom are you seeking again? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. I have told you that I am he. Therefore, you seek me. Let these go. And by the way, he says, when he said, I am, they all fell back and fell to the ground as we read earlier. You know, Jesus didn't have to be caught. How could you just see Jesus with these people? Who are you seeking? Jesus of Nazareth. I am. They all fall down. So they all get up again. We're going to arrest you. Jesus goes, I am. Walks a little bit farther. They're following. I am. He didn't have to get caught. Jesus willfully 
went because he knew that he had to be the sacrifice that took our place. Friends, we're rascals. Apart from Christ, Paul says, no good thing dwells in the flesh. Have you been alive long enough to know your thought patterns, your ideas, that we realize, well, God, I need you. We do. That's the way God works. It's because he loves us and he took our place. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.